Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And the race sweep the Red Sox. They now have a one and a half game lead in the American League East. This is an unbelievable Turn of events for the Rays, of course, a great series for them. Brandon Lau with a home run. Uh, it was interesting the way the game ended. The uh, the last out, you know, was a, a catch by Manuel Margot and, and Lau. They almost collided. He kind of hugged them instead. But um, I'll tell you what, this has been a, a tremendous run for the Rays in the in sense that they have no pitching. I mean, all their guys are getting hurt, uh, and they they lost another one during this series, and so. You know, it, it's just been one after the other. I, I read where, uh, of course, Jeffrey Springs got hurt on Saturday. Chris Archer left the game in Durham with some kind of a of a foot thing or an injury. Um, so they're relying on young pitchers. This is what they have. They didn't make any deals. We're going to talk about the Rays uh, a little bit uh, later, but um, just a fantastic series for them. They take control now of the American League East. And uh, it was interesting because it was Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, A-Rod, who is a noted uh, Rays uh, detractor? You know the guy, <laughs> the guy that said um, he came out and said that they were bad for baseball. Uh, and then I heard him say, Derek, uh, that you know haters are going to hate. So I guess that includes A Rod. I know he was just Im- implying that he was talking about himself there without actually having to say it. <laughs> right. That, 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 that's as close to an apology <laughs> as you're going to get. That's about it, man. That's yeah. Haters I mean, you know, hate. And yeah, he also well. said he he liked playing at the trap, so I know he's lying. <laughs> you know oh man we'll get like you said we'll get more into that but it was it yeah. was good to see a national television crowd yeah. show out and everything everything about the weekend was good except for the injuries of course phenomenal and then you know it's been 10 years since sunday night baseball has uh has been at the trop which um is is cool for for Rays fans that uh that didn't have a chance to go or even if you did it was a playoff like atmosphere i thought that was great so um in the meantime i have been uh, like everybody else out there at the uh, Advent Healthcare Center, walking on the sun for about six days now. Training camp, folks, is hot, and it's hotter <laughs> or seems to be every every single year. Uh, those guys are now in pads. Um, we are but still. They start off early in the morning, right, Rick? I mean, it's nice yeah. and cool. <laughs> yeah, nice and cool. It's it's about at eight thirty in the morning. I think it was about eighty six degrees, if I'm not mistaken. And one day, uh, I believe the first day we were out there, it was a a uh, a Florida record, a Tampa Bay record, however long they've been recording temperatures of 97. And there's no clouds. That's the thing. Like, we've had these days where no white puffy things at all. We're just getting baked out there. But, you know, I credit the guys for kind of fighting through it. And they're now in pads. Um, they've had about six or seven practices. And, um, you know, it's starting to get a little chippy out there. But, um, you know, for the most part, I mean, they, they look like a team uh, that – has won a Super Bowl, but by the same token, you know, training camp is, is sort of structured where you have good days and bad days. And any anything that happens out there, if if the defense wins, it's bad for the offense. And if the offense wins, it's bad for the defense. So you're you're kind of gonna ride the roller coaster a little bit. There there's always something to complain about if you're Bruce Arians. And he did just that. 
you know, before they put the pads on, he said, well, soccer practice is over. And, I saw you know, that. I saw that. And that would a rip on soccer, by the way. I what know, are you I'm doing? A big, I'm a big soccer guy. I'm going to give Bruce Arians a pass. I know you what he should. meant by that. <laughs> but what I saw, I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I, guess, I, guess, I guess it wasn't very physical. I, I, well, I mean, you can't be because you're that's not, right, you know, right, the linemen so. can't really hit each other. There's more contact than there should be. But I mean, you know, it's a rule. You, you have to be in shorts and, and t-shirts. And so, yeah, there's not, it, it, it's, it's basketball on grass for a few days. I mean, that's, that's the deal. So he just wanted, I think, to fire them up knowing that the pads were coming on and he was, you know, complaining about the way they were practicing and mental errors and all this kind of stuff. I mean, Bruce has said going into it, he was going to beat the crap out of them because, he wanted to uh, make them forget about winning a Super Bowl. Um, I would just say that we're some 38 days away from a game that matters, and that's incredible to me. Like, think about that, 38 days before they play a game that even matters. So you better be careful about, you know, just how much you beat them up right now. And I think he does a pretty good job with veterans giving them days off. Brady's had one already this year. And so, you know, but, but there's always something that you can pick apart, and that's sort of the coach's job. But he doesn't have to do much of it. Because Tom Brady does it for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were we were watching the last two practices, and and uh, you know when we did talk to Tom Brady before they were in pads one day uh, last week, I think it was uh, Thursday or Friday. It was Friday, as a matter of fact. And you know, Brady was talking about his knee and how how glad he is that he doesn't have to wear a brace for the first time in fourteen years, and how much work he had to do playing with a torn MCL last year with Alex Guerrero and just preparing to play. And then he apologized and said, I'm sorry, guys. It was a really crappy practice. He didn't say crappy, but it's a really bad practice, and you just caught me at a bad time. So then, you know, we go out there, second day of pads on Sunday, and he actually had a pretty good practice. He made some good throws, a lot of touch deep balls, one to Antonio Bryant, one to Mike Evans. Uh, you know, and they, they there's a lot of different periods in a practice. There's usually about nine or ten periods, and they'll do anything from one-on-ones with receivers and DBs. They'll go seven-on-seven. Um, they'll do some team drills, 11 on 11, and then they'll do some two minute stuff. Well, at the end of the practice, you usually do your two minute stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. where there's a situation you're down by six, you know, there's a minute and 20 left, that kind of thing. And so, you know, Brady got his turn and he, and he, and he completed about three balls and they moved down the field. And then there was a sack. Uh, one of the guards got beat inside. I don't know which one. Um, and then there was a couple of incompletions and he took the ball and punted it about 40 yards. It was a perfect spiral, by the way. Come because on. there's nothing Tom Brady can't do well. I've, I've found that to be true. So, and then, you know, he uh, got another try. They didn't score. And so he threw his helmet down and he started yelling at, at, at the players and, and his teammates and saying, come on, guys, you know, you can't, you can't stop making plays just because you're tired. And it was, like I said, at the very end of practice. So, you know, Arians loves this, right? Because this is the ultimate perfectionist. And this kind of what it looks like you know, if you're playing for Tom Brady. Now, there are days where Brady will be, uh, especially when he got here last year, he was very complimentary of everybody, you know, and, you know, yelling, way to go, Scooter, way to go, you know, Mikey, way to go, so-and-so. Um, <laughs> that's not really been his thing this year. Um, he, right. He's been a lot more critical. So I think I think he's trying to set the tone, as, as you would expect the guy that's won seven Super Bowls to do. I want to hear more about this punt. I mean, uh, is there is there is there a history of him uh, pooch kicking? He I mean, has that's... punted before. Yes. Okay. He, I I looked up. I I don't know how many how many he has, but he I have seen him a uh, clip somebody uh, posted where he actually punted in a game, and um, it, you know it was funny because when he when he took the ball, I wasn't sure what he was going to do with it, 
And then he punts it, and he punts it over to an adjacent practice field. He didn't punt it down the field. He punted it sideways kind of to an adjacent practice field. And I was like, that was a pretty good punt. I think it was about 40 <laughs> yards in the air. It was viral. It was like um, – but it was it was not what you would expect from maybe watching, you know, Brady and, and sort of how he's usually in control and things like that. And, you know, and, and again, I think Arians loved it. But, yeah, if they need a punter, if they need Tom Brady on – fourth down or, or, you know, to pooch punt something inside. I mean, he's certainly capable of it. So uh, that was something we found out. I saw that uh, Antonio Brown uh, got a, uh, like a 20 yard touchdown on a double move or something like that. And I, I saw the quote from Arian saying that was like stealing. It's good to sort of have that vibe coming from him when you already have what you have with Evans and Godwin, but uh, also that maybe one of his other young receivers, Tyler Johnson needed to shape up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that Arians uh, spoke to and, and, you know, it's a crowded receiver room. And so those guys um, are all fighting for jobs. Now I think I could, you know, within reason uh, get us down to six receivers and the sixth one would probably be, um, you know, would probably be Jalen Darden, the the kid from um, uh, North Texas who they drafted. And he's, you know, he's, he's a fast guy. He has a chance to win one of the kick return jobs. I don't know if he'll be the punt returner, but but Tyler Johnson, I think he'll make this football team. It's just that, you know, Bruce Arians said he did not come in, in into into shape. You know, he didn't show up in very good shape, which is um, not a good place to be. Like I said, I mentioned the heat. Um, you don't want to be dragging a few extra pounds out there, particularly at that position. Uh, I think he's caught the ball well. I saw him make some plays. He did seem to have a little uh, extra layers of clothing uh, when I watched him on Sunday. So maybe that was his response to Arians saying he needs to lose some weight. I don't think water weight's what he's talking about, but – um, certainly those guys can drop, you know, some pounds out there, uh, during a workout, but yeah, he has to get going. And then, you know, Scotty Miller, who always looks good to me when, when you watch him play, um, there was a, uh, a period and, and this was the day before Brady lost it, where, where Scotty Miller had a couple throws you know, in traffic inside the red zone, um, well covered and he didn't come up with the catches and he, and that's, you know, the thing about, um, small, fast receivers is just that they, you know, Scotty Miller, we know, can run by guys. I mean, he had like four two something speed, um, you know, coming out of college. And and we saw him get behind the defense a lot last year. That seems to be his forte. Um, he's a deep guy. He's not a slot receiver. He's going to work the middle of the field. But in the NFL, um, if all you do is run, you know, streaks, then they're going to get wise to that. And, and you've got to do other things. And so I think, you know, Arians got a little annoyed. They, they missed a couple plays uh, around the goal line. Of course, those are touchdown plays. And what he said about Scotty Miller was, look, he goes, we know he can run by people. He goes, but you can't be a, run, a one-trick pony in this league. He's got to make those grimy catches. And grimy catches was sort of uh, the hashtag for the day. And and he came back to his credit on Sunday, and he did just that. He made some some tough catches in traffic and um, not just in the, the one-on-one drills, but also in seven-on-seven and in seven team. So, um, you know, that that's another thing that, you know, Scotty Miller can file away. And, and I think, you know, everything he says to us, he generally says to his players, right? So there's yeah. there's not much that they have to read in the paper about themselves. Um, but it's, it's a highly, you know, competitive position. And like I said, I think if you talk about Evans and Godwin and Brown, Right. And then you add Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, you're at five. That only leaves one spot for a wide receiver, you know, and it's probably going to be Darden. But you still have uh, Mickens. You still have Jaden Mickens out there. You know, there's there's a lot of guys uh, trying to compete for that fifth and sixth spot. And special teams will determine a lot of that. 
Um, but it's a, you know, it's a highly competitive spot. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the other guy that was, uh, got a lot of run, uh, this week, particularly, uh, from Bruce Arians and rightfully so, you know, I'm just watching this Joe Tryon, uh, the kid that they got out of Washington and, and, you know, he opted out and, and, you know, this Derek, a lot of college players a year ago, particularly, um, in those conferences that weren't sure whether they're going to play or not really all across the country, but the pack. The Pac-12 in particular, which is where Tryon is, you remember, like they were talking about maybe not having football for the longest time there. Oh, they were they were the they were the reactive ones. I mean, they saw that maybe the Big Ten wasn't going to play, so they decided not to. And then once yeah. everybody else started playing, oh, oh yeah, we're we're good to go. But yeah, they I, I think they they ended up having some teams only play six games the entire year because of that. Right. And so there was so much uncertainty. Uh, I mean, that does take a lot of confidence in my opinion to go after somebody that's relatively sight unseen but mm-hmm. now that you're seeing him what do you what are what he, do you he, look like he looks fantastic and the thing is is that you know for a lot of guys when the pads come on it's an adjustment especially in the nfl you can't judge those big guys un- until they're wearing pads obviously like they, they they're limited in terms of contact so there's really not much going on but for him for joe tryon as he mentioned to us uh, after practice one day is look I haven't played football. I haven't worn shoulder pads since December of 2019. I mean, that is an awful long time to not play football for a professional football player. And so, you know, for him, it wasn't just, hey, I'm back at it. It's the grind. Let's put them on. Let's go. Let's hit. It was, I don't, you know, I got to get used to this all over again. Now, you know, it's, he's played football his whole life. So it's not something he's not familiar with, but um, in as much as, you know, when he's going up against guys like Tristan Wirfs, guys like Donovan Smith, um, watching him in pass rush drills, he is dominant. Like he is giving these guys all they can handle. And Tristan Wirfs, I think, is a Pro Bowl talent. Um, and, I, and, and if he continues on this path, he may even go further than that. But Joe Tryon can, can play. And everybody that has watched him um, sees, you know, not just his strength, he can get a little bit stronger, even though he's, he looks like he's a Marvel comic book character, but he has power, but he has quickness and, and he, and, and he has a, a repertoire of moves that, you know, um, he, he can get to the quarterback. So, you know, if you're, if you're the Bucks and, you know, you, you took this kid, um, who showed up, you know, 32nd overall ostensibly because, he didn't play last year. I mean, that's the reason why he fell. He would have been a mid-round pick in the first round, I believe. It could be a really big bargain when you're sitting here with Shaq Barrett, um, who's your, you know, was your franchise player a year ago, signed a new contract, um, but he's been in the league, you know, six or seven years. And then you got Jason Pierre-Paul, um, who, you know, I mean, he's a freak of nature, but you know, he's down to his last year of his contract, I think, and he, you know, is thirty going to be 32 years old, 32, 33 years old. So uh, to be able to spell both of those guys on either side with a Joe Tryon just just makes your defensive line that much better. And and I do think that the story of the, you know, of the 2020 bucks was really the offense. Um, you know, how fast could Tom Brady get it together? Uh, you know, we, we saw the adjustments he had to make playing in Bruce Arians' system. And they finally got more commitment to running the ball, more play action, all of that. And they got it together. And then they they took off. But the real story, I think, of this season, 2021, is going to be the defense. Because I really believe that those guys can be dominant. That young group of, uh, in the secondary have, has grown up. That's the one spot where, you know, you can look at the defensive line. And we, we mentioned the experience they have. 
whether it's Indomitian, Suet, Tackle, Jason Pierre-Paul, outside linebacker, Levante David inside. But when you go to the secondary, there's no there's no experienced veteran there. You know, um, you'd say Carlton Davis would be the guy with the most experience, but he's still a young player, only in his fourth year. So really after that, those guys have had to grow up together on that back end with Todd Bowles. And, you know, they made the biggest um, improvement, particularly the last half of the season. I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting, I'm writing a story on him in the Tampa Bay Times. He was horrible for the first 14 weeks of the season. I I remember him getting turned around in Atlanta several times. He battled a bunch of injuries. He revealed to us uh, last week that, um, you know, in addition to – you know, a, an ankle injury and, and, and various things. He broke both or he dislocated both thumbs. Um, you know, he had all kinds of stuff that he battled through, but when he got in the postseason, we saw what he did three interceptions. I think it was the most in as many games since Ed Reed, um, uh, you know, hall of fame safety. So, you know, all those guys have grown up now and they're really going to be the difference. I think this year is, is going to be that defense, which is why, um, there's a little more, it's a little more even in practice. You know, I mean, uh, those guys, you know, like I said, one day it's the offense, one day it's the defense. You see Devin White making plays. I think Devin White's a defensive of the year uh, candidate this season in the NFL. He had a pick six one, one afternoon. So, um, you know, that's, that's the competition. And, And that's the thing Bruce Arians wants. And he said it on Sunday, the competition between these two teams are really good. He just said, they got to play smarter, uh, they can't have mental errors, those kind of things. And a lot of that is just the function of training camp. It's just a grind, and you kind of got to get through it, and you got to keep your concentration. really is something that the secondary went from, like you said, being, oh, man, liability. Is yeah. this ever going to work out to, like, lights out? I still can't get over the fact that the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. It's unbelievable. Uh, I, I hope that those guys – continue the improvement I, i'm not going to say it was a fluke because obviously it wasn't a fluke but i wouldn't mind like you say uh knowing that one veteran guy is there davis kind of in my book is as close as you're going to get to a guy like that yes it, it, to me it's not a lockdown secondary just yet i'd like to see it you know settle out over the course of the season again yeah no it's not i mean you still have guys that have to prove themselves and that's what that's what got even sean murphy bunning who had a great postseason said hey i'm i'm an underdog you know i'm not a household name i'm not i'm still trying to make a name for myself we all want to make a big contract and get paid um we don't feel like we've done anything that you know on the back end we're, we're still learning you know antoine winfield jr who was a tremendous player from minnesota a year ago he's still learning he's still getting better Jordan Whitehead, you know, played in the, played in the Super Bowl with a uh, a torn labrum, and and he's healed from that and had shoulder sur- shoulder surgery over the off season. Um, he can get better. Uh, Mike Edwards, who was a you know a guy that came in at safety when they had an injury and made a lot of plays on the ball, so they're all they're all still young guys that are improving, and and I th- I still think there'll there'll be some bumps in the road for him, but. Um, if you if you combine that with what they have up front in the Devin Whites and Levante Davis in that that front seven, um, that's really where you're going to make the, the biggest improvement. So, you know, I, I look forward to seeing that. If, I, if I'm a Bucks fan, hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. By the way, hats off to all the people that came out there. I mean, they've had season pass members, and especially on the weekend, it is standing room only. And wow. I think they've invited about 2,000, 2,500 or so. And to go out there and battle that heat, um, they've been vocal. They've been really loud, of course. I mean, you can feel energy, which is the carryover from the Super Bowl, right? I mean, the Tom Brady, still a celebrity quarterback. People didn't get to see him last year. Certainly, sure. if you go to training camp, you're, you're probably about 20 yards away from him, which is closer than you're going to be if he's on the field. So it's been really cool to see the interaction between Bucks fans and, and uh, the Super Bowl champs. Is it just uh, about 50% of the jerseys in the stands are Brady jerseys? And then I'm guessing, I'm <laughs> yeah. guessing Mike Evans, I'm guessing Gronk, and then maybe not many others. Yeah, Devin White, I think, has a few. I think he's, he starting, yeah, he's starting to get some run. But yeah, you know, that's, that's something we've done before. We should probably do that. We should probably count up the Brady jerseys and see who's the next – uh, leading boat getter among the fans in the stands. It's actually a nice little exercise to do at training camp. But um, yeah, of course, uh, you know, Brady is the, you know, he's the brand and um, that's, that's what people are coming to see. Although Mike Evans um, is a fan favorite. He jumped into the, in the uh, crowd one day, which they didn't like because you're supposed to stay separated with the COVID rules and all of that. That's <laughs> another story um, that yeah. we found out on Sunday, Bruce Arians, announcing that his team will be 92% vaccinated by April 3rd or by August 13th, which is just a couple of weeks away. And he thinks that they'll be between 98 and 100% vaccinated by the time they start the regular season. Now he can, he can influence some of that by cutting players who aren't vaccinated. I was which... going to say, and the other two, and the two percent is your practice squad. That's right. Exactly right. Um, I'm afraid that that, that may be the case. I mean, we talked, Listen, these guys, as they get more information, first of all, the NFL is making it really hard on players to not be vaccinated. They want them all vaccinated. It is a business. They haven't mandated it yet, yet, um, and maybe they never will. The union has not gone to that point yet with the NFL, but even the union, everybody wants, they are in agreement that you're safer if you're vaccinated, and it's a business. They want to protect their business. They don't want um, teams to have outbreaks and, and, and potentially have to forfeit games and things like this. But plus, if you're not vaccinated, I mean, you, you know, the testing every day, um, the mask inside, uh, you know, the, uh, facility, um, so many restrictions about travel and all of that. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be vaccinated if for nothing else, just to be treated like a human being. Um, and you know, we talked to Ronald Jones who a year ago, Ronald Jones was their number one running back. He was on his way to a thousand yards and then he got COVID. And, um, you know, when he got it and it wasn't his fault, I mean, there was, you know, vaccinations were, I don't even know if they had begun in December for his age group. I don't think they had, but he got COVID and he ended up missing a couple games and then he came back and he played well in the finale against Atlanta. And then he got a quad injury, uh, before the game at Washington, but he cost himself or the, I should say the virus cost him an a thousand, a thousand yard season. And when we talked to Ronald Jones on Sunday, he shows up and he's wearing a mask, so he's not vaccinated. And now he's got some antibodies probably from having COVID. And um, I talked to him about it and he just said, look, I, I had symptoms for about a day or so. Um, I was very fatigued afterward. 
Um, and it took me a little while, you know, in the heat and humidity to come back. He said, but um, I'm actually thinking about getting vaccinated and I probably will just to keep the other guys on the team safe. So even a Ronald Jones who currently isn't vaccinated uh, as he gets more, learns more about it, they continue to educate these guys. And like I said, the protocols are so tough. I think he will uh, be one that will, will, uh, will get his shots. And, and a few of them I think have had COVID recently and um, aren't, aren't ready to take the shots yet uh, for whatever medical reasons, but yeah, so the good news is if you're a Bucks fan, you can rest assured that uh, an overwhelming majority of players, and I think this will be the case in the NFL when they finally, it's all said and done when they start the season, that um, they'll be almost completely vaccinated. And you shouldn't have those problems where uh, somebody could still get sick, obviously, with this Delta variant, but they don't have to uh, They don't have to be out as long. It's not going to be one of those deals where you're, you're gone for 14 days like Ronald Jones was uh, you know, a year ago. Well, anything that goes towards trying to keep the season intact. I mean, every time I see someone put out on Twitter, hey, we're 48 days away from this or 40 Mm -hmm. days away from this game. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm still not to the point where I feel comfortable in knowing all the games are actually going to get played. So I don't mind teams and maybe leagues in this case taking steps to make sure that if at all possible, that's going to happen. Hey, uh, I don't know when people are tuning into this. It's available as early as midnight for the dedicated ones. But if you're hearing this before, what, 7 a.m., I guess, there's a Buccaneer that's going to be along with his teammates watching some Olympics. Yes, yeah, fantastic story. Um, Ross Cockrell, who joined the team uh, as a practice squad member uh, last year and wound up playing a lot of football and a lot of good football for them. He was quite a fine for the Bucks, especially when they had injuries in the secondary, he stepped in and did a really good job, made some big plays down the stretch. His sister, Anna, went to the University of Southern California, um, is a sprinter. Primarily, uh, her event is a 400-meter hurdles. And she will be competing tomorrow morning. I think she's her heat is the third heat uh, in the semifinals. She's supposed to run about 7.50 a.m. They're supposed to be on the field about 8.30. So... Um, you're going to see a lot of TVs on inside the Advent Healthcare Center, and they'll probably have a big screen and a bunch of players, and they'll all be rooting on Anna Cockrell, which is just a really cool story because, you know, how many families uh, have an opportunity? You know, they can't be in, in Tokyo. And um, here's a guy that's at the top of his profession, won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers in uh, and, and Ross Cockrell, and his sister is now an Olympian trying to win a medal uh, in, in Tokyo. It's just, it's a fantastic story. And he says, you know, um, they talk uh, as recently as Saturday night and they, you know, they, they both being athletes, they, they share a lot of the same experiences. He says he's learned to listen more than he talks now, but he just told her, Hey, go out there. You know, he calls her five-star, you know, you were a five-star recruit, uh, to college. He says, just go out there and be a five-star and do what you do. You know, easy to say, right. But, but then, then the gun goes off, but, yeah, what a cool scene that will be. I hope that they uh, they film it. Um, I believe the quarterback in Detroit, uh, I think it was Blau, David Blau. I think his name yes. is David. Um, that was it, a great video I watched. It, it was awesome, it was, wasn't it? It was just a heat, obviously, in the hurdles, yeah. the 400-meter hurdles. And I think she's actually Venezuelan. I don't know her, her name. I think actually, you're right. But, but it was fun to watch because, you know, the 400-meter hurdles, you really don't know where you stand until you get that last uh, corner turned, and then it, levels out and you're right. hoping that you can finish in the top four. I think it was. And and, boy, and that's what you did. Was, yeah. He was just going off the whole time. And then the rest of the team started 
freaking out and and it was that's that's exciting stuff man i can't imagine having someone oh on the, in track and field particularly because you know races are races and you can really even get more fired up than any, any other event swimming what have you but yeah uh, that that was enjoyable and, and the more of those the better really cool to see his teammates and i think you'll see a similar scene um there'll be plenty of guys rooting on uh, uh ross and his sister and you know, that that's the sort of thing that, you know, you can kind of live vicariously through a teammate, through a family member, whatever it is, um, that just adds to the Olympic experience and, and brings brings those guys closer to each other. I mean, it's, it's already a, a pretty tight knit group. You know, they got a lot of guys back, 22 starters, a whole bunch of, of backups as well. And, you know, to see those guys pull for each other and pull for their families, um, it's just something that's, uh, you know, just part of the uh, the experience. So, yeah, really. Um, some, you know, it was a good first week. I mean, we had a lot of good stories. If you if you missed any of these, they're all in the Tampa Bay Times. You can read them on TampaBay.com. Um, and of course, none bigger than the Rays and their sweep of the Boston Red Sox, one and a half game lead now in the AL East. And there, it, it wasn't always smooth, but man, oh no. man, this team that you know loses—not that it had Glasnow, but looks like they're going to lose him to. Tommy John surgery yes. and now currently meaning they're just going with a bunch of rookies as starting pitchers and yes. hoping, to get, hoping to get five innings out of them and then p- patch it together with what's there with the bullpen. And it's exactly what happened, but they also had plenty of offense. I mean, talk about clutching up. They did it all weekend long. They really did. And, and, you know, they're ace and there's, this is unmistakable. If the, if there was a series as if the season started tomorrow, if the playoffs started tomorrow, um, they're ace is USF's own Shane McClanahan. He's their number one. Make no mistake. And he's throwing like one. Uh, I mean, a guy left-hander that can throw 100 miles an hour with a wipeout slider um, that just goes out there and deals, you know. I think he gave up one run, if I'm not mistaken, if that. And and he's just been sensational. And he was dealing with an inequitable top of the zone, too, because yeah, he was for the Red Sox was getting those curveballs sliders at the top of the zone. And McClanahan was like, okay, I'll, I'll just adjust. And he right. did. I mean, it was phenomenal. He was great, and he's been great. And he's, you know, the, what the Rays have decided, they couldn't make a deal for a starting pitcher before the deadline. Uh, I don't know that they were rooting, uh, counting on glass now, but he's headed to Tommy John. Then we see where Chris Archer has an injury and has to be removed uh, from his last start in Durham, and he's been down there a while, and they were expecting him to come back up. So we'll see if that's something that's going to knock him down for any time. Um, but they're going to go with their young guys, you know, and – this is what they have. And then the decision was, you know, get out of the way and let the talent, you know, just, just try to show, show through. And I don't know that they'll, I don't know that that's going to work in the postseason. but I'll tell you Me what, either. the way they play defense and the clutch hitting and they're getting better and better. Uh, Wander Franco has finally gotten hot, which is fun to see. He had a couple of triples in that series, uh, hits in every game, uh, made some big plays on defense his 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 game is starting to pick up. He's he's excited. He brings that youthful exuberance, and um, you know, having Nelson Cruz there, of course, is is uh, going to be great for him. It should be great for against left-handed pitching. Their lineup looks different with Cruz in it, and especially if Franco's going to hit a switch hitter, um, you know. So they they've had contributions from everybody up and down the lineup. Uh, Margot is back. He made a tremendous catch in right field and and has played had some big hits as well. So uh, this is a good baseball team. I just don't know when you get in the postseason if that's going to hold up against the elite pitching. And, of course, everybody in baseball seemed to get better at the trade deadline as well. 
Um, the Cubs dismantled their team, and I think every guy that they traded ended up hitting a home run or two for their clubs. Chris Bryant with the Giants. I mean, you know, they were just going off all all weekend. So, you know, some of those teams got stronger, and when you play them in the postseason, that's going to show up. But um, credit the Rays, man. I mean, how do they do it, right? Everybody wants to know just how do they do it. And it is remarkable that they're outspent 3-1 to one in some instances, and they just keep putting things together and, uh, you know, 15 guys on the aisle and pitching. And um, it's and Matt Whistler closed the game. I mean, Matt Whistler. You know, if you had Matt Whistler closing a sweep series of the Red Sox in August, on August 1st, good on you because, you know, Ryan Sheriff got a big out in the in the eighth inning to end that inning. I mean, Here the guys are using now, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, who are they? Well, I mean, you talk about uh, Castillo getting traded and yeah. seeing some of the aftermath of that, I guess, after after he's gone, stuff you wouldn't say about him while he's here. It comes out, Topkin reports that they weren't exactly thrilled with his work ethic. He didn't exactly try to get rid of the extra pounds that he was carrying around, 250 pounds, and they really like this Shagwa guy. And, yeah. hey, he comes right in and Saturday. Pitched really well. Does very well. So they know what they're doing yeah. for sure. But you're right. Your point is the ultimate one, and that is – the actual rotation once once it comes to these long series these five and seven series it is really going to be difficult you know what it actually might come down to you know hanging on to the lead having that division having oh by the way home field advantage Mm -hmm. throughout the al and maybe relying on that crowd because you know what when you actually have a crowd, as we saw this weekend, it was it helps cool. The race. It does, and I was I went th- I went Friday night with my son and his girlfriend. Uh, we sat in two hundred five um, behind home plate, uh, kind of press box level. And there, I'm not going to lie, there were some Red Sox fans there, but they were drowned out quickly by the Rays fans. Good. And you know, twenty thousand or so in, in in a building that's not allowing people in the three hundred level, you're all kind of packed in there. It's it's loud, and and I re. Look, I just remember before COVID when they played that Houston series and they won games four and five. I was at game four. It was incredible. I mean, the atmosphere was was electric. And that building can be a home field or don't field advantage for those guys. And and um, like any performer, they get pumped up to play in front of crowds and especially home crowds. So, you know, um, it's it's good to see that the area, you know, supported them this weekend. They recognized it was a big series. And if you talk to the players and, and even the fans, it felt like a playoff. You know, these teams got about eight games left, I think, against each other. Um, and it's going to go right down to the wire. I think they're done playing in um, in early September. But um, this 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 AL East race, the Yankees are not out of it by any stretch. I mean, you got Anthony Rizzo now playing first base. He's already hit a couple of home runs for them. That was a huge acquisition. So um, this is going to be an exciting finish uh, to the American League and the wild card. And you're right. Home field will matter. It always matters. And if the Rays can hang on and win the AL East again, back-to-back AL East titles, make the postseason again. I mean, this is this is big stuff, man, for a franchise that has uh, had to find it their own way. And with respect to Castillo, I was just say this. You know, the Rays. The thing about the Rays is they rarely quit on guys too early. <laughs> and if they come after one of your pitchers, you better question why you're letting them go. <laughs> because there's not many that they that they acquire that don't work out, and there's not many that they let go of that get better. Uh, and with Castillo, if you look at his history, and I, I don't know everything right that that forced him to leave the team, but almost every year um, he's had a period where 
he's had to leave the team for one reason or another. I know uh, there was a family illness with his mom one year, but even prior to that, there's just this history of him, um, you know, really not being all in. And and I don't know what that thing is, but uh, obviously, you know, if they felt, if Mark Tompkins says that they felt that he wasn't uh, in the best of shape, wasn't taking care of himself, I know that they took away his closers role for a while. I mean, he absolutely can can finish games. He's got a wipeout slider, and he's he's been good uh, pretty much for them the whole time he's been here. But trust me, if the Rays are are moving on from a pitcher, uh, I believe that they probably have enough information to make that decision. It's probably a good one. And, of course, now they can just hand him over to the other side as the Mariners are in town with the win, the Rays 64-42 and 42, right with Gosh. Houston atop the entire AL. And the Incredible. only team that's better than them uh, at all in Major League Baseball right now, record-wise, by two and a half games over in the other league is San Francisco. So wow. uh, that's what a sweep will do for you. Just incredible. So we'll have uh, lots going on this week. Of course, the Bucks will continue uh, their mini camp. They practice again today. Uh, they'll have a day off on Wednesday. Then they're back at it. Um, at the end of the week, of course, John Lynch, the former Bucks safety, now the 49ers general manager, he'll be inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Sunday. Uh, I'll be talking to him and writing about that in the Tampa Bay Times. I'm going to Canton to hang out a little bit with the Lynches and, and watch him go in. I think there'll be a contingent of Bucks coaches up there as well, and um, it should be a good time. So that's that's something to look forward to. And then, of course, the Rays begin that series against the Seattle Mariners, who are a very good baseball team. This does not end with a sweep of the Red Sox. The Rays are on a roll right now, and this homestand, uh, of course, didn't start out so well against the Yankees, but now they've won four in a row so they got it going a little bit and they got to keep it going against the Mariners so that'll be something to uh, to uh, talk about as well Tom Jones will join us later this week I'm sure for a couple of days so we got lots going on with Derek Sharp Steve Versnick still on vacation still on vacation he'll be back a week from now so we hope he's having a good time as well so keep it right here we appreciate you guys listening each and every Monday through Friday for Derek Sharp I'm Rick Strata of the Tampa Bay Times have a great day everybody Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 